This is Dave. And this is Ben. And welcome back to episode three of Excuse the Fandom. Hope you guys really enjoyed the first two episodes as we're trying to get into a groove with this podcast thing and really work out the kinks and see what we can really do with this. It's been a, a fun first couple episodes. We think we got a good episode in store. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, it sounds good. It sounds good. It sounds good on the paper we wrote. Yeah. Uh, hopefully it sounds good out loud. But we're going to hit some interesting topics. We both got a pretty good bone to pick for the week. We have the NFL picks for the NFC East from our friends and fans at Donardo5 on Twitter. And then we have another one. I don't know the handle is for yeah, someone was, from Instagram. Yeah, it was an Instagram too. Yeah, I don't, I don't handle that side. Uh, you do the Twitter thing. But we have that uh, division for you guys. We're going to talk about the Cavaliers in Cleveland, what we think they should do or shouldn't do in the next couple of weeks leading into the NBA season or months leading into the NBA season. Then we're going to get into the big three, that news thing that Fox Sports 1's got going on. Yeah, it's really entertaining. i got some stuff to say about that. It's interesting. Ice Cube sounded like he did a really cool thing there. And then we're going to do some fantasy football like we've been doing uh, in the Ben segment that he loves to do. Yeah. So we'll wrap up with that, and we will get started today with Ben's bone to pick. Yeah, I got a, I got a lengthy one this week. So uh, the Sacramento Kings just recently unloaded their superstars, sometimes unstable locker room presence to Marcus Cousins. They did get the next Steph Curry in Buddy Heels and a couple of smaller name players and picks in return. But, like, every time you trade a superstar in the NBA – the Kings did not get equal value in their assets they received. So where do you go from there to get back to NBA relevancy? Look to the other coasts and watch how Philly did it. And so that's how I would do it in my opinion. But It took a few years, but the 76ers are looking to be a relevant player in the Eastern Conference. And they didn't have to sign a superstar in free agency. They weren't gifted a transcendent prospect through the draft, as far as we can see at this point. But they turned a bad team around by tanking. By playing the draft game, they were able to gather talent in ways that many smaller market teams just can't right now. So what do the Kings do? Well, they pull off what many consider their best draft haul of the last decade or two. Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley-Stein, De'Aaron Fox, Justin Jackson, and Harry Giles sounds like an excellent start to tanking. Go get these guys some minutes, and something could be cooking in the next couple of years. But the Kings just can't do something smart, can they? The combination of Vivek as the owner and Vlade as the GM, they've made decisions over the years that calling questionable would be underselling the negative reviews that they've received. He once went on record to say that he thinks that the Kings should play defense with only four people and cherry-pick on offense with the other guy at all times. For all sports, ownership not understanding the game that their team plays and still going and making personnel decisions is just stupid. And they just did it again. An obvious problem for NBA teams who decide to tank is that the fans don't want to watch the team lose. Attendance plummets, and the owner's pockets are not not quite as full. Old Vivek knows this, and he just wouldn't let those who understand the NBA make his team's decision for him. The Kings went out and paid a couple of older free agents. And on the surface, they're not bad. But they're at the positions that their new draft picks play in, and they're George Hill and Zach Randolph, obviously. In the sports world, that sounds like a good idea, right? Get a veteran to mentor your young prospects to let them grow at a smarter pace. Well, history does not really say this is how the modern NBA works. In the NFL, players are not nearly as motivated to move teams. Player mobility is not that great for stars because the parity is so good. Great MLB players are locked into their teams a lot longer after they're drafted because of their contracts. Not to mention that there is no cap space, so teams don't have to get rid of stars unless they just don't want to pay them. These sports give you time to let your good players grow behind veterans, and the NBA just doesn't. You do get four years on the rookie contract, but that's not really true when you actually think about it. NBA draft picks are almost exclusively 19 years old now, the, the one and doneers, so you get much less finished products than other sports do out of college. This not only means that you get less tape on a guy your team is banking its future on, but you're going to have to wait longer for them to actually be good. Kawhi took five years to be good, Paul George took four, and even Kobe took four. There isn't time to let these veterans take development minutes away from these prospects in the NBA. There also isn't much of a window to put a winning team on the court. 
you basically need to put a winning team on the court while having some cap space in the fourth year in order to convince the original prospects to re-sign with your team. It has become a science, and it has become a science because of player mobility in the NBA, and Vivek just doesn't get it. They'll win more games, and they'll sell a few more tickets with Randolph Hill and even Vince Carter suiting up for them, but they don't need them, and they shouldn't want them. It's dumb for him to want to earn a few extra bucks this year through these players when he could be preventing the Kings from becoming a legitimate playoff team through the next couple of rough seasons. This brings me to my main point. Owners making sports decisions out of their desire to make money are ruining their teams. Jacksonville has The Jacksonville Jaguars have a business guy at the home, and they haven't been good since he bought them. Ever wonder why the Cowboys haven't particularly been great since Jerry Jones decided to part ways with Jimmy Johnson because Johnson thought Jones was starting to make too many decisions himself? Since then, the Cowboys have gone 2-9 and nine in, their playoffs, in their playoff games. The Kings have been horrible for years, and the reason for that is an owner who barely knows what a basketball even is. If you own a team and you don't understand the sport, please stay out of the way. Yeah, I can't agree with you more, Ben. I definitely think there's a lot of owners throughout the entire sports world that step in a little bit too much. They don't really know the action as well as, you know, these guys that are getting paid the big bucks to do it. So why really interfere with them? I think, especially in the Kings case, you had a good thing going and you kind of just blew it up again. Like, they did the same thing with IT there uh, before they traded him in the Celtics. They had a good piece. They had a good piece with Cousins. They get rid of it, don't really get much back. Now they have this young talent around Cousins. They blow Cousins up get okay back, and then all of a sudden you have this young core that they could develop around, and they go out there and just throw some money at people. I just didn't think that was a good look for them. I think they could have done a lot more with kind of just seeing where the youth could get them. It would get them another lottery pick at least. Like You would get a good pick there and continue this rebuild or trade that pick for more picks. It's like they could have done a lot more with this youth movement, and they kind of just half-assed it and continue down this weird path around. It's, it's really strange to me, but you see it, like you said, with the Cowboys or the Jags. You see it with the Kings and a couple other ownerships throughout the NBA, too. They don't really know where they're going. I think the Cavs are kind of like that way. Dan doesn't really know where he's going. He doesn't really have a direction for the team. He kind of just wings it because LeBron's there and he can wing it. It's kind of weird, but he does. Um, but, yeah, I definitely agree with you and how it just it's a, a fishy situation for the Kings. I mean, like... In my opinion, if I'm the owner and I'm, I just want to make money, wouldn't you rather like wait a couple of years and hit it big? Because the Sacramento fan base is is a big one. Like they they enjoy the Kings. So like if you can put get some playoff games down the line, like you're gonna make tons of money on. Because you make way more money off playoff games than regular season games right now. Yeah. So I mean, in my opinion, I would just try to make a good team instead of trying to just put something that might sell a few more tickets. Yeah, each regular season so, tickets. Yeah. Like they're not. Anywhere close in the Western Conference to a playoff spot. So why why go down that path? I don't know. I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. Like They might sell a little more tickets now, but down the road they could have sold more expensive tickets, which is a bigger bang for their yeah. buck. I mean, De'Aaron Fox looks good. Like, if you've, yeah. you've been watching the Summer League games, like, he actually looks – he might be my most impressive one right now because I didn't expect him to just be good right out of the gate, but, like, he's, he's playing pretty well. Yeah, definitely. So, so what's uh, what's your bone to pick this week? So my bone to pick is kind of interesting. It's something that us fans we deal with almost on a regular basis when we go to a sporting event, um, or when we have you know in our case we have Purple Fridays or uh, or those Orange Wednesdays, and that is the fact of sports jerseys and where they're going and the directions they're going. And I just I think it's interesting. I don't know if I'm really mad at it. I'm more just like what are they doing kind of thing. I'm going to lead off uh, with the NHL. So they had a huge deal where they transferred from Adidas to Reebok. Um, obviously, Adidas owns Reebok, so it's not a major shift per se, kind of like how Majestic goes to Under Armour in a few years. But it is a shift. And with a shift, you usually see some variation in jerseys and apparel and all this kind of stuff. And as of right now, the jerseys that are going to be wore on the ice rink aren't much different than what Reebok put out. And like I said, it's, cause it's probably because they're parent companies and they have very similar ideals and such like that because they've been run by the same people. But I just think the fans could have used a mix-up because guess what? That's going to buy more things for them. I think it's going to lead to more sales and all that kind of stuff. But when you kind of row the same boat, you're not going to really change anything. Um, I just think it was a really weird thing. I know that they have the Fanatics jersey coming out for the first time this fall, but nobody knows what it looks like right now. It's not like even Fanatics put a teaser out there. They're like, hey, it's coming. Well, 
what's coming? Like, how am I going to save money for September when I don't even know what it looks like? It could look exactly the same, and I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have saved 170 bucks because it's exactly the same. So I just think it's weird. They had a huge opportunity there to gain some sales. I probably would have actually finally bought a hockey jersey, for, you know, but I don't really want to get the same thing that's already been out there. The other reason I say that is because a sport I've really gotten into since high school would be soccer, and I see Manchester United change kits and jerseys every single year. And I think that's almost a bit much, but it still has gotten me to buy four or five jerseys over the couple of years, and it keeps bringing my money there, and I think it's something that the NHL and other sports leagues could look into. I don't know if it's exactly the way to go, but it's definitely an interesting point. Um, the one thing I don't like, though, is because soccer players change teams so much, you kind of lose... The numbers. Um, I know that every single jersey I own, besides Pogba, because Pogba just got there, have lost their number, so they kind of lose the little oomph there. That's also just how the soccer goes, so I can't really complain about soccer too much in that aspect, just because that's kind of what they're used to. And then the third part of this bone to pick would be the NBA sponsorships, and they're kind of going on the same way soccer's done it for a little while now. Um, and that's to get a sponsor on the Top part of the jersey kind of tucked away where it's not really noticeable. I don't really know if that's a market for them. don't really know if it's necessary for them. They have a really good thing going there. I don't really know if it's something that they'd need per se. It gives more revenue for the teams where they already make enough money. Like, I don't know if they really need more money unless it goes into the salary cap, which should probably happen. I mean, I think anything where the owners make more money, the players should see a chunk of it. So... We don't know if that will happen or not. I don't know if that's been talked because there's only six teams that are doing this advertising on the jerseys right now. Probably going to be a full league thing once this year goes by. I feel like the league's going to like it. They're going to see the numbers. They're going to see that sponsors are now lining up to give even more money to teams. Um, I just think it's really weird. I don't know. This whole jersey thing is shifting on us, and I don't really know what's going to happen. I'm, I know I wear, love wearing soccer jerseys, love wearing my football jersey during the fall. I just... I'm really scared that things are going to get weird, especially in the NBA and the NHL, where I may not really want to buy a jersey from them for a little while, and I don't really know if I like that. So what are your thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think of it this way. Like, how much money do you think it would cost for you to get your logo on the Golden State Warriors jerseys? Because, in my opinion, it's not just watching it on TV. Well, you go buy a Steph Curry jersey, and that logo is probably on it. So, like... Yeah. You're getting advertisements from everywhere at that point. Yeah. So, I mean, with the, with the star-studded NBA, I feel like it's not really a bad thing. If you're going to do it that way, it gets more revenue. I mean, yeah. Like I said, so. I think it, I, I'm not saying it's a bad idea. I just think the players, they definitely need to see a chunk of that change. And that's probably... Oh, yeah. That probably happens in the next CBA agreement. I think they probably would hold out if they didn't see some of that money. Because, I mean, they're the ones that are selling that likeness along with that advertising. So I think that that would have to be in play there. It's interesting. I guess I don't know if I hate yeah. it, but I just think jerseys entirely are changing, and it's, it's interesting because that's what fans buy the most, yeah. uh, aside from maybe hats. But that's kind of an interesting point. Like I said, I'm not sure if I'm mad about it. I'm more intrigued, kind of like what are they doing, where are they going. We won't know for a little while. It's going to be exciting to see what Under Armour does for baseball uniforms. I know that comes up soon. Um, see if they have a different take. Maybe get a little more casual jersey for the fans to wear. We'll see. Who knows? But it's definitely an interesting change of the tide, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So now we're going to turn our attention to our NFC East picks, thanks to our shout-out from the couple people on our social media sites. So we'll have Ben dive into who he thinks is going to win the division. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go with Dallas first. I think they go 11-5. A lot of people are not predicting them to win, honestly. And I, I do agree that I don't think they're as good as they were last year. But I think, I mean, Dak doesn't get any better in my opinion. But I don't think he has to. I think, I think the line's a little worse. But Zeke is just still going to get better. Like, and he was pretty good last year. I think he gets better. Um, the defense is still going to be in the middle of the pack. But the way that they control the ball through the run game, I don't think that's going to matter that much. So I, I think they can still go eleven to five. I know their schedule's a little harder. But a lot of people are down on them, and I think that they they're just they will kind of prove people wrong. I think they could take it. Uh, the Giants are going to come in at second. A lot of people are picking them to win the Super Bowl, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, but I have I've heard, heard that from a few people, so uh, I don't know how I feel about that. But uh, I think Eli just gets it done again. I think they're going to get the wild card spot at ten and six. 
The defense looks real good. I like the way the defense looks, and I, I just think that they lose that second game to Dallas. So I think that's what it. pushes it over. It's so that that's my decision, honestly, because if you flip that game, then the Giants are 11-5, yeah. and, and they take the division. So yeah. I think that's what's the deciding factor, and I think Dallas wins that game. Uh, Washington, I'm going to go 9-7. and seven. This is honestly going to be one of the better divisions in the game again. Like They were real good last year. Um, Kirk, I think early on, struggles a little bit with these new weapons. And Jordan Reed, honestly, may not have a brain by the end of the year. So Let's hope he does. Love yeah, that guy. Yeah, I mean, I love Jordan Reed. Trust me. He's a love fantasy sleeper. He falls forever. I would just take him in, like, the fifth. If you don't have a tight end, just go ahead and grab him. Yeah. Sorry. I, I like to see fantasy and everything. I'm sorry. He does. But uh, the defense is just awful, so I don't <laughs> – they have uh, they have Josh Norman, and I think he might try to play all 11 spots because they don't have him much else. Like, Ryan Kerrigan's kind of like a – but other than that, I, I don't – It's a strategy by Josh. Yeah, but he, he he probably would want to, honestly. I've never met him, but – I'd like to see him at nose tackle. He, yeah, he'd probably die for sure. Huh. But, uh, yeah, the defense loses them a few games down the line, so that's, that's them. And Philly, I, I really like Philly this year. I feel like they're going to take a step – but I think they go six and ten just because they literally may go zero oh, and six in the division because this division is so good. It's hard to find them wins. Um, it, I think Wentz is a big year down the line. I don't know if the running games. I like Blunt there, but I don't know if it's as effective as it was last year. The offensive line keeps getting older and older. So I, I like Philly, but I don't know if I give them any wins really. Yeah, it's hard to. So, so who, who do you got? So I have the Giants winning the division at 10-6. and six. I think I said in our opener, I like how their defense really didn't perform last year. But like I said, sometimes you don't perform well right away as a unit. And I think this is the year where they step up and they gel and they finally get things clicking on that end, which is great news for Eli because then it's less time for him to play catch-up and more time for him to kind of just control the game a little bit more, which might mean... Perkins can actually do something, or someone in their backfield can actually do something. They, I, I really like uh, that pick, though. Honestly, I can't. It's it's such a toss up for me, so so I I, I can't argue. And it, and it seems like most people are leaning the Giants this year. Yeah, so. I think it's definitely the hardest division to pick in. Oh yeah, like I think you can literally go almost top to bottom because every team in that league in that division could have a good year and all of a sudden be the division champ. I think that in the NFC South would probably be the two hardest divisions to pick. Um, like I said, I think the offense gets clicking, too. I mean, it's always a good thing to have a good number two receiver. And yeah. When that number two is Brandon Marshall, you're kind of doing something right there. They have a pretty good three, too, in Shepard. So yeah. It's pretty nice. Then I think the Cowboys are 9-7, and seven, finishing second. I think the biggest thing I like there is the offense. I mean, obviously, I think that's a huge thing. I just don't like how the defense seems to be losing key members because of suspensions left and right. You know, you never know what you're going to get. The saving grace they have is Jalen Smith. Yeah. We don't know what he's going to do, I and mean, he could be a huge wild card that propels him to another number one uh, seed in the conference. We don't know. He could be that difference maker that they don't have on defense. Um, also, can Sean Lee stay healthy for a full season again? Yeah. That I, remains I, to be seen. That's a tough call. <laughs> so, like, I think they'll finish 9-7. and seven. I like the Eagles at 8-8 eight and eight finishing third. I think their defense is okay. I think there's a lot remaining to be seen there. We don't really know what it's capable of, but they – they can get the job done here and here and then. Um, we'll see what they go. But I do like the pieces Wentz has around him up until, like Ben said, that main running back spot. I think Blunt will do a lot of good things for you, like third and short, goal line. But who's going to get the carries really, you know, first and second down? I don't know if Blunt can really have that big of a workload this year. He might be able to. I'm not really sure. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then I think the Redskins are in the basement. It's a tough call. I think the Redskins could be a lot better or a lot worse. I think a lot of that's going to have to deal with Kurt and how he kind of comes out of his contract thing and how he either takes it ahead to you know prove a point that he's worth a lot of money or if he has it in his head and it kind of kills him a little bit. And, you know, that can weigh on a lot of people, and it's going to be really interesting to see. I don't really know if their defense can do enough to win them games or even keep them in games. That's going to be their biggest downfall for sure. It's is that defense, and you definitely need a good defense to win games in the NFL. Oh, yeah, you do. You still do. So it's going to be interesting. We want you guys to help us continue picking these divisions oh, yeah. every week. So if someone could give us another shout-out and tell us what division they would like to hear us talk about next week, we would be happy to dive into that for them. Uh, so now we're going to turn our attention back to the NBA. We've had a lot of time on the NBA these last couple podcasts. It's obviously 
almost their regular season right now. I oh, feel yeah. like this is more important to them than the actual 82-game season. It's been a lot of fun listening to all the different topics the pundits throw out at us, listening to the different ideas people have. But we're going to dive into the Cavaliers because they have a weird situation. Yeah, that's, that's very unique. Yeah, I, I think it's weird in the sense that they know they have a one seed, but do they know they have a championship? And it's like, what do they do now that they you know, kind of see that Golden State keeps getting better somehow, some way? They look really great. I, I just don't know what what he's doing, especially considering – have they named the GM yet? Nope. Still haven't named a GM. Nope. So you're barely, barely able to make moves this offseason because of that. Can't really do anything without someone at the helm, and I really don't want Gilbert at the helm. I think that's a terrible idea. I think that's exactly what Ben's talking about with the Kings ownership and how maybe he's a little too into it like, with Vlade, and it's a weird mix. But I just think you need to get that locked down. But what do the Cavs do, Ben? What do you think they do? So I know this sounds insane, and I, I have no compassion whatsoever, but I honestly might want to blow it up right now. Yeah. It's just... I would even take field offers for LeBron. He's he's got one year left on his deal, and you have no future because he will leave. There is no doubt in my mind he leaves. Yeah, like they'd have to somehow win the championship, and unless two of Golden State's players get hurt, I don't think that they even have a shot. Yeah, like two of the stars have to get hurt. Oh yeah, like even, like not Clay Thompson. I don't even count Clay Thompson right now because he didn't even need to be good, and they still dismantled the Cavs. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's got to be KD, Steph, or Draymond's. Two yeah. of those guys have to go two down. Of those guys. So, Even then, it's, it's still going to be a dog play. I still think it would go five or six. Yeah, yeah it would still be a great series that way. That's the only way it's a great series. Yeah, so, like, I think that's I think it's a really interesting take. I don't know if I blow it up all the way with LeBron. I think you at least milk it for the ticket value, like kind of like the, the Knicks. Are, I mean, the Kings were thinking. I think you got to milk it a little bit just for that. But I do feel it offers for Kyrie. If we really do think LeBron's going to leave, which I do and Ben does, I think you think you can get a lot for Kyrie. He already has said if LeBron goes, he goes. So why not do it right away? Well, like, why yeah. not get a lot now? Because you could get a lot. Like that Bledsoe trade that was pronounced at the the NBA draft. That's like that's a good coup right there. That's well, that's cooking with something. That's more than someone that doesn't want to stay and wants to leave. That's true. But I I think that that's the only way you trade Kyrie and not LeBron at this point. Because if you trade Kyrie for the future, LeBron's gonna be pissed. Like he's, he's oh, yeah. he might not even show up to games. So. If you get rid of Kyrie, it's got to be for a win-now mode, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Or if you get rid of Love, obviously, win-now. Like, you don't want assets in return. So, I mean, that, that's why I feel like if you go down this path, you you got to start with LeBron because he's the one that's going to be yeah, the most no, That definitely makes a lot of sense. I don't know if they can move Love at this point. I mean, if the Pacers didn't want him, I know the Pacers were, you know, hell-bent on not trading within the division. I get that. Yeah. Or even within the conference. But I, I if they didn't want him... And the Celtics obviously weren't really, you know, they could probably be players for him and give a lot of picks up for him and really change their team a little bit, probably, if they wanted to try that route. Even the Bulls didn't want him, like, for Jimmy. I don't know. I don't, don't know if Love will get you anything, but I do get the point of trading LeBron now. I think you could, I don't even know what that market would be like. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, I would field offers. I'm not saying that I would be like, yeah, I'm going to trade him, but, like, if I get something, it's pretty nice. Like, like the the three first round draft picks from the Celtics. Well, I don't know if I go to Celtics. NIT. <laughs> I probably could send them to the West because I feel like but even has, a, a LeBronless Cavs still wins the East if they do keep Kyrie in love after that. So like what what from the but, West could could bring you LeBron? Like that's what, tough. What works? The, the the team that I oh man like Cat. I don't know. I don't Anthony know if Davis. I would do that. I I have to think about that. Anthony Davis maybe. That's just weird. Like, that's, I, that's weird, yeah. you got to get a lot. It's LeBron James. I oh, don't yeah. care if it's one year. It's LeBron the team's Your little. team's instantly in the title chase. I feel like it's got to be a team that is already a contender. Like, would just, you go for Zingas? Like, if you're the Knicks. No. No, and I you're like, hey, uh, let's try this. And see I, don't, I don't do that if I'm the Cavs. I don't think that's enough. Really? And I don't think they have anything else. Well, they definitely don't have anything else. So, that's the thing. I would say the team that might throw what they have at him is San Antonio. What's enough there? Though? I don't know. I got. I have to look at it. You have yeah. to lose Kawhi. I mean, no. I feel like you'd have to try to not lose Kawhi. It's the only way you do it. Because at this point, do you, who do you want on your team five years from now? Kawhi, Kawhi or LeBron? I I'd take Kawhi. Yeah, you know, in LeBron. five years. Yeah, oh, yeah. Now. Not now. Of course. But, yeah, but I, I just don't know 
if there's even someone that could make up my asking price for LeBron, I'm, I'm not even the biggest you know fan of LeBron. I would ask for a ton in return. It would have to start with the Celtics three first rounders. And that's where I start. Well, yeah. Probably. Yeah, it's a lot, but it's LeBron James. And he instantly sells out the garden every day. That's true. Instantly. I think they, Houston would definitely try. I think they could play like a team from Moscow and they would sell out the game. Oh, yeah. Just because LeBron's there. Like, I, I just don't know. I don't know what it would take to get that away. It's interesting. We'll have to come up with scenarios. Yeah. That's that's crazy. Yeah, it's got me thinking. But, yeah, I think, like, I think blow it up's definitely. But if you don't blow it up. He's going to get a GM in there soon because they have to come up with a five-year plan. Oh, yeah. So they, they haven't made really any moves while Golden State just keeps getting better. So, like, what, what do you expect? Yeah. Like, you are, you. they already showed you they're much better. So, yeah. And the post, apparently the one guy LeBron tried to recruit Crawford didn't even come. Yeah. So, like, the one guy he reached out to this whole free agency period still left and went to Timberwolves. Like, that right there sends me a weird message that, like, maybe – He's not staying. Like, someone should want to come there to play with LeBron. Well, that's the thing. I think it's the consensus that, like, oh, this is a one-year thing. Right. Golden State's already got this in the bag, so why would I go to him when I don't know where he's even going to go next year? So, yeah. so like, like I said, I think Cleveland's got to get that five-year plan set now. I assume LeBron's not going to be there. I think you almost should assume that the first time he came back. Like, right when he came back, he should have been like, all right, here's what we can do the next three or four years. What does year four look like, or what does year five look like? I think that should have been – what was said, and I think it probably was said by Griffin. I'm I'm pretty sure he probably knew what was going to happen. Yeah. And then you let him go because you didn't want to fork up the cash. And next thing you know, nobody knows what's going on. You have someone that's got to step in and be like, okay, I have LeBron for a year, maybe. And where can I go with that? So I think it's going to be definitely, definitely interesting. Quick yeah. prediction, where does he go if he doesn't stay in Cleveland? Next year as a free agent? Oh, I, I'm going to go say L.A. I yeah. think he goes to the Lakers. Yeah, I've liked that all along. I like, and the more I see Alonzo, I know it's been a small sample size in the summer league, and the first game shooting-wise was ugly. But the more I see how he can pass the ball, LeBron's got to like the idea that it can get fed to him any which way. Mm-hmm. Any player in the NBA has got to like that. If I can get the ball easier, and this guy's not going to take these 10 shots a game, or more than 10 shots a game, I like that. Yeah, and if he develops a jump shot, they will play together very well. Oh, yeah, I think they'd be able to play off of each other. He definitely develops a jump shot. I think he's got to adjust personally to the game. I think everyone, especially jumper-wise, I mean, like, he's got the motions different. He's got a lot of different things going there. I think it takes time, but I think he figures it out. Yeah, for sure. yeah I like that idea. I think LeBron will like that idea, too. I think the Lakers especially if Paul, Paul George goes there, too. That's a... Uh, that's one of the only ways I think Golden State has even a shot to lose the next yeah. two years. I mean, if you think of a ball, Ingram, Bron, Paul George. Well, what if what if Clay Thompson goes there with LeBron instead, instead of instead, instead of Paul, Paul George? You get Clay Thompson with LeBron. I think that's even like honestly in this three ball era, Paul's good at shooting threes, but you can't say he's better than Clay. Clay's the second best three point shooter in the whole league when he's mentally with it. Um, he almost has a kind of Ubaldo mindset right now where he's not mentally with it. But as soon as he gets mentally with it and is really there in the game, I think that's a deadly thing in this NBA. Yeah, LeBron, Clay, Lonzo. That's yeah. that's a nice team. That's a, I like that three. That's a lot of points, for sure. So it's a nice big three. Oh, weird segue. Guess what we're going to talk about now, guys? The big three. Yeah. So, yeah, so Fox Sports 1 has these rights to something – Ice Cube developed. Yeah, it's Ice Cube crazy. Baby. It's crazy. <laughs> it's something that's taking a lot of the internet by storm and TV by storm. And Fox Sports One may have locked themselves up with something that's gonna maybe take ESPN, you know, scare them a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I think ESPN definitely regrets not taking this. They had the chance. Yeah. They. Uh, I think I. I saw somewhere. I don't know. I don't know if this is entirely accurate, but they said that they. Their ratings were up like four times what they expected the the first week of this, which is just nuts. I mean, I like, can imagine. Like from from myself, I love it for a lot of reasons, but I think the top reason is it takes me back. Yeah, it's pickup games. Like it's just old school stuff. Yeah. Like it's nice. Right. Not only does it take me back to like me playing on the courts and with my friends and playing three on three or four and four, whatever have you. It takes me back to AI killing people with the crossover mm-hmm. or billows. Big. You know what I mean? Like all these guys. Playing the game they live and playing at a high level, even though they've gotten older. I yeah. think that's just amazing. I think it's so much fun to watch, especially in the half court setting. Like we never really get to see how three people can really dive into people 
all the time like that. So I think it's crazy, and I think it's so much fun to watch, and it's so interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that everyone was worried about was the pace, but it really does have a nice pace. Oh, it's like, quick. It's, it's quick. Like, I didn't, I thought it would be nice and slow, and like, okay, well, you don't really have to pay attention to it, but like, no, things happen, like, yeah, like the, real the quick. The games so. are fast. Like, the fact that they can squeeze four, five games in, whatever it is, yeah, in that, a three-hour yeah. span, right? Mm-hmm. That's That's impressive. That's really impressive, and I think they have such a good product there. And Ice Cube is such a good innovator and he's such a good mindset for business. He knows where this can go. And year two of this is going to be even crazier than year one. And I think oh, yeah. that's the best part about it is that this is just getting started, people. And imagine when you can get, like, if you could get Kobe versus AI. Oh, man. Or, like, Tim Duncan in it. Some of these, like, huge names that have just finished, like, the big ticket KG. Like, imagine some of these guys that could join this league, even if it's for just one summer. Like, it's one summer where, like, Essentially, the Drew League is now this huge thing in yeah. the big three. I think that's such a cool idea. Yeah, it's it's definitely I, – I give it an A. Like, it's, it's yeah. nuts, but – I don't think you cannot give it an A. Yeah. I think it's done so well and has so much room for growth. And I don't know. I, I just know that if I could get my hands on tickets to go see them in Philly – I would do it in RB. Oh, for sure. I which mean, is this Saturday, if anyone in the RA area is listening and can get their hands on tickets, it's this Saturday. Yeah, coming you, should, up. you should hit us up if you get tickets. But uh, but uh, I really think that the success of this is going to draw some of the, the bigger-name players. Maybe, if not next year, it's, it's going to keep growing maybe yeah. the year after. So like, I could definitely see Kevin Garnett wanting to do this. Like He's so competitive. Definitely. I mean, so, all these guys definitely still have a competitive itch. That's why we're seeing... You know, white chocolate, and again, I haven't seen him do crossovers besides seeing his son do crossover. But I think it's I think it's so cool that you're getting these names back. Where we're starting to see their kids play uh, in high school and stuff like that, getting ready for the pros and college ball. Now we're seeing them back at the court, back on the grind because their kids are taking steps that they can kind of back off a little bit and do something more fun. I think that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, I think it was a great idea. I really like it. Definitely okay, it. so uh, so. I think we're going to do a draft of teams or that we want to see. Yeah, so like if we picked our own yeah, big three. Yeah, our own teams. It's going so. to be kind of wild. It's kind of different. And it doesn't involve anyone that's currently in the big three. So yeah. if you guys are listening and wondering, well, why didn't they pick AI? That's easy. Or why didn't they pick Billups? It's because we're not picking teams, players for teams that are already playing. I think that kind of would defeat the purpose of us drafting because we probably would draft teams that are already there. So. Oh, yeah, and uh, I think we have a one year removed from the NBA at this point. So if they're former NBA players, they have to be out for a year. So no right. Kobe, no KG, no Tim Duncan right yep. now. So right, so we, we kind of set up our own thing where they retired in 2016, we couldn't pick them. So yeah. they have to have a full year, two-year removal. So okay. Ben's going to – we're going to do like a kind of like a, a back-to-back draft here. So Ben will pick his first person, I'll go, and then Ben will go again. So go ahead, Ben. Okay, so – I was thinking of this four-point shot, and it really, really took over my team's mindset. I think I, my first pick, I'm going to go Gilbert, Gilbert Arenas. Dude was a sniper. I like him. Yeah, I love watching him in D.C. since that's who we're close to. I think that was very intense. I, you know, he was the whole reason why Braun was shaking a little bit for a little bit in the East. Um, that team was deadly. He led that team. It's, it's an interesting pick, for yeah, sure. Just no guns. Just definitely have to... The metal detect him on the way in. Take that out of there. Make sure Critton, what was it? I don't even, Jabal, Jarvis? I don't remember I can't even say his last name. Yeah, don't let him in, though. Yeah, just keep them far away from each other. Good pick, though. I mean, I think, like you said, his range is probably through the gymnasium. Yeah, that's, I was thinking range. a bigger court. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's a great pick. And my pick, piggybacks off that range idea. Mine may not have the four-point range, but he's got that three-point arc locked down. And that's uh, Ray Allen. Yeah, I like that pick. I I was thinking about Ray Allen, but I wanted a ball handler with my first. I don't think Ray Allen has that those handles right now. But, but yeah. yeah, now technically I know he's still a, technically a free agent. He's not retired, but he hasn't played in two years. So all Legal. I gotta say is my you know one of my future picks setting screens for Ray on the baseline is all I need. I don't need him to handle the ball. He just needs to pick and pop. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, I'm gonna go Amari Stoudemire for my second pick. I wanted That's a big good. guy. Okay. So. I got my ball handler, my big guy. I think Gilbert and him are nasty, like, in terms of their personalities. They're going to yeah. probably kill someone down the line. So. Definitely. There's a lot of murder in this episode, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like we're probably should, killing a lot. Probably lay low for a while. Yeah. <laughs> make it interesting. Okay, who do you got? I'm going to go with a kind of like a, almost a hometown pick just because he went to Maryland. But Stevie Franchise. I, I love watching Steve Francis when I was a little guy, and 
just seeing him, he could handle the ball, he could shoot, he could kind of do it all, and then he kind of just was dumb and fell off the face of the earth a little bit. But I think that's a good pick. I heard he almost did the big three. Kind of just missed the cut. Yeah, he, he so he made pass, my cut. Yeah, he couldn't pass the physical, so I think he tried, but I, he didn't get so, cleared. So yeah, look for him next year. But you know, as of right now, if I could pick one, I'd pick Steve Francis. I think he brings a lot to the table because he can shoot and pass and handle. Yeah, kind of gives you that element where you need in a three three v three you know kind of tournament is that someone that can break them down, get to the hole, and kind of shoot from the outside. I think Steve Francis brings that to me. Okay, yeah, I, I like that one. Uh, this next one, I went a little younger. I know these guys that are, that are dominating right now are on the younger side, and it is obvious that that would happen. But uh, I'm going to go Jimmer for depth, thinking about the four-point line again. Jimmer. I think he could uh, – He just I just saw for a charity game, he hit like 93 pointers in a row. Or not in a row, 90 out of 100 or something crazy. Wow. Like that's that's pretty good. I would probably fall asleep by shot 50. Yeah, like that's that's nuts. So I think he's still got the shot. And I think he can handle the ball a little bit, too, so I yeah, like Jimmer. That's definitely but, a good pick. I think it would be interesting to see him. I don't know, know if he could play defense in a half-court scenario. It's probably, you know, his biggest downfall in a full-court scenario was his yeah, defense yeah. and his size, too. I mean, we don't have the biggest guys on the court right now just yet, but I, mean, I even feel like Stevie Franchise could put him in well, the Well, there's a lot of guys that are tall in this league, too, Yeah, you watch it. So. so I think he could have some troubles. I feel like... A lot, especially in, you see it in the, the half court set a lot where people just go in the post on people. I mean, yeah. Stevie Franchise would post up for that in a heartbeat, I feel like. So. Oh, yeah. But I think with my third pick, I, this is my whole grit of the team. You know, played on that big Michigan team back in the 90s. I go I go Chris Webber. Chris Webber? Yeah, okay. mostly because like, if he goes near Myron Stoudemire, Stoudemire probably loses his face with a bow. Oh, yeah. They so would definitely gives, get in a fist fight. Yeah, sure. definitely gives me the grit. Uh, like I said, got him there to, to hit uh, Ray Allen off the screens. Him in the post, get the boards, kick it back out, kind of thing. I think Weber gives the grit, the soul of the team, kind of really brings it together there. Yeah, I like that. So we each picked a fourth player. Yeah, for a bench. Just an alternative, kind of have someone off the bench. I know the big three currently has a six-man team. Yeah, it was uh, tough to find out some of these guys. Yeah, well, it was, it was not only tough to find, it was, you know, for time's sake too, to get through the rest of the podcast. We kept it at four, but yeah, it's definitely hard to find a full six group. Yeah, especially with people that aren't already in the league. Yeah, you know, to kind of pick and. Things like that. Maybe we throw an Andrew Biden out there or some of these other guys. But a lot of them, honestly, have had you know pretty serious injuries. Like, I would love to have Brandon Roy, but I would love to have Brandon Roy 10 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, speaking of Brandon Roy, I went to another guy that probably should be more in line for a wheelchair basketball league in T-Mac. Bold. I think T-Mac's offensive skills are probably still there. He can probably still shoot. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's like Kobe. Yeah. So, yeah you take... I'd take Kobe about if we didn't have that. Oh, yeah. First overall picks Kobe if he if we allowed him to join. Certainly. Yeah, I mean, I think Tracy, I mean, I love watching T-Mac play him and Yower dynamic. Him and him on the Raptors, Magic. I mean, he was he was a scary dude. He could put up points in a heartbeat. So I think that's a great pick, especially if he is coming off your bench. Yeah, I figured bench player, shoot for the ceiling. You know? Yeah, definitely. Um, my fourth pick kind of goes with chemistry a little bit. Yeah, you know, back to the actual good days of Sacramento. Okay. I'm gonna go Peja Stojakovic. Okay. I love watching that guy shoot. You know, what I mean, he could, he could shoot the lights out. He is what made the Lakers a little scared back in those days. He was the only team that really probably gave them a fight. Was those Kings with Weber and Peja? I think Vlade was. Was Vlade, I think Mike Vlade might have been on those teams too. I don't remember. I was so little back then. <laughs> I just remember Peja and Weber working together. So I get that chemistry piece there. They know each other. They can work that pick and pop. I like uh, that, yeah. I, I, I just want to shoot the ball. I want to shoot the ball and let Chris Webber literally bow everybody and get the rebound and just bring it back so we can shoot the ball more. Yeah. That's that's the goal of my team. I think that's Bows, my, my rebounds, goal and shots. <laughs> that's pretty much it. It's usually a recipe for success, especially yeah. if it was like street ball. It's not. Yeah. yeah. We do have fouls. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, there are fouls. But I you mean, can't foul out, though. That's, that's true. You can just foul as many times as you want. It's, it's win. just team fouls. Yeah. So Drop bows on everybody. Look out, ref. I like it. Yeah, so we're going to go to Ben's segment. Yep. What do we call it last time? Ah, I thought it was your fantasy corner. No, no, I, I did say that, but we changed it. Ah, yeah. I think, uh, excuse the fantasy. Excuse the fantasy. So uh, this week we're going to do potential for, or not, not potential, but general first-round picks, people that are going in the first round, that have bust potential. Yeah, they're a little sketchy. Not yeah. completely sketchy. Not something that's going to completely throw you off your, your chair there, but they are sketchy. Yeah. I mean, if they're going in the first round, they have 
they don't have a lot of holes. But honestly, one of the only rules I have for winning your fantasy league is you can't miss on your first round pick. If you miss on your first round pick, it is hard to make up that ground. Yeah. You can miss on your second, third, and fourth. Like I don't care. But if you have, if you somehow got Zeke last year in the first round, like you were probably putting a good team out there every week. So, mm-hmm. so that's so the rule. for this year. Yeah. So I'll go first. Uh, the guy that is going pretty, he's like going like top eight. Running backs are tough to come by. Like you, you got the big three, and then people are like, "Well, I got to grab one because there's a lot of people that are terrible this year." It seems like. So Melvin Gordon, he's going top eight in a lot of guys. Uh, Last season, he was all touchdowns. He would have these terrible games and then get two garbage-time touchdowns and be like, oh, well, there he is. He had a good fantasy week. But, like, it's so dangerous to live that way in fantasy, only relying on touchdowns. Kind of LeGarrette Blunt. There were weeks where LeGarrette Blunt scored, like, two points. Like, it happened, like, half the time. It was either you got a really good week or you got nothing, and that's kind of how Melvin Gordon was, but on a more consistent basis, so he wasn't, like, terrible every week. We only had 3.9 yards of carry. So, like, good. their line's still not much better. They drafted a guy, but that doesn't always mean that you're going to have a good line. So. Especially not right away. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I think uh, Brandon Oliver eats up a lot of his third down touches. Because yeah. he had, like, 45 receptions. Not Brandon Oliver. Melvin Gordon had 35 receptions because Brandon, Brandon Oliver was out all last year. So I think he definitely could take a step back this year and maybe not worth a first-round grade. I'm not calling it a bust. I'm just saying this could happen, so you sh- should be careful when you draft him. So. Yeah, be on the lookout. I think, like, to Ben's point, Brandon Oliver is the deciding factor on where to take him because he can take his touchdowns away. That's true. Bigger yeah. back in the red zone. Mm-hmm. He could lose his touchdown carries. He could lose his third down plays. It's a really different wild card mix that he didn't have last year. Um, he, he was the benefit of a lot of injuries. You know, he stays healthy for the first time for the whole year, but yet Oliver and Woodhead go down. Yeah. So his numbers jump. Mm-hmm. So what's going to happen when those, at least one of those guys is back? We Remains to be seen. Probably dive down a little bit. Who knows if they're drastic. Plus, they have another year of tape of this guy. That's a huge thing in the NFL. Oh, yeah. You know, anytime anyone gets to study just a little bit more on you, you're bound to decrease a little bit unless you improve that much. Yeah. I mean, the, you could also look at this as a, as a different – side and spin this positively where you're like oh he only averaged 3.9 yards a carry so like that odds are that's going to go up if he is good oh, yeah. so like you could spin it that way too but i i would just watch out for that yeah definitely i think that's definitely an interesting idea uh my first point that i want to make in my sketchy picks i'm gonna, I'm gonna go sketchy I'm sketchy picks i like that i'm not gonna go bust i don't know if i can say full out bust because like ben said you can kind of especially at the tail end of the first round a lot of the talent's the same Oh, yeah. I mean, guys, guys bust every year, but they all look the same at the beginning. Yeah, so. exactly. And my would probably go – I would probably start with Shady McCoy just for the fact that he goes above pick 10 a lot. Oh, yeah. He's like pick 7 in a lot of the mocks I've done just because you get – there's just like a consensus top 6. Mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, well, running back, LaShawn McCoy's the next best. Let's just go ahead and take LaShawn McCoy at 7. And I don't like that, but no. continue to. Yeah, so like I don't like him above 10. Like if you're at 10, feel free. I'm cool with that. I, I think anything above, you just kind of be gotta watch out a little bit. I mean, if they start throwing the ball a little bit more with Watkins finally being there for a full year or anything like that, he's gonna get a lot less touches. Um, it's just an interesting idea. Just think you can do a lot in that first round pick. I, like with that first round, if you're nine or above, I think ten, eleven, twelve. If you're thinking shady, go ahead. I just don't think I would personally like to go. Shady there, I just think you could do a lot better. There is a lot of running backs in those third and fourth rounds. Well, he, a he, lot of depth will fall. Yeah, he literally plays hurt every week, too. Like, <laughs> he's always on the injury report, so you always got to be watching for every game if you have Shady McCoy on your team. Right. So And what happens if he's actually hurt all year for once? Or like yeah, I've been waiting games. for that because he's never really been hurt. Just, yeah, the, the worst amount of games he had is 12 games a year, and that's still pretty good for him. That's pretty good, right yeah. Back, I, so. I, I want to call him durable for that, but he's hurt. He's, something's wrong with him every week. Yeah, he's so. got something going on. I don't know. So my, my next guy, I'm going to go with another running back, Jordan Howard. And uh, uh, this is more about Chicago than it is about Jordan Howard because I – so I like Jordan Howard, although when you look at tape, he does not jump off the screen. He he just looks like a guy running the ball. Like it's just it's weird how it, I don't say that, but like he's not super fast, not super agile. He doesn't really do anything special, but he does everything pretty good. So I like Jordan Howard in the long run, but I feel like this just smells like a Todd Gurley situation all over again, 
where the line their line's better than St. Louis's was, but I think Chicago also has more running back talent behind Howard than the Rams had behind Gurley. So if Howard starts to like lose that hot hand, they might immediately start using this other guy. Cohen. Yeah, Cohen a, a lot of people. A, a lot of people are not even mentioning Cohen, but they picked him pretty early, like, like right after Perrine. It was a fourth-round pick. It was right after Samaja Perrine. It was early. So you know that they might have some plans for him in the near future. Definitely. So. Even if it's a pass-catching back, he could definitely be involved. Yeah, you could definitely snake, or not snake, but vulture some of these touches from Jordan. Um, yeah, that's basically all I have about that, though. I don't really have any stats to back that up. I just have a, a gut feeling that it could turn into a Todd Gurley situation. Yeah, I definitely think Jordan Howard is sketchy to begin with. I'm not really high on him. I wasn't really even high on him last year. I kind of think I traded him in our league, I think. I don't know. I did a lot of random moves at the end of our last year and still somehow finished off pretty good. But I just I think it's a sketchy situation, especially with them kind of in a quasi-rebuild. Like, John Fox is going to have to try to push for some Ws. That might mean some throwing the ball more, which may not be good for anybody no, at all. that's not good for anybody. So, um, I just don't like that situation. I think it does, like you said, remind me a little bit of the Todd Gurley situation, but I just I don't know if he's got it all. I don't know. Yeah, I just he, think he doesn't jump out on the screen like mm-hmm. if you watch him. Yeah, it could be a revolving door at running back for the Bears, that's for sure. But Ben's right. Uh, my last two ideas uh, for fantasy aren't running backs, which I think to Ben's liking is a good thing. Yeah. Um, you, got, you, got, you got a bonus from Dave. He gave, he gave me three. Yeah. Kind of like a little extra. A little extra to keep you guys going. Uh, so my first is Michael Thomas kind of scares me in the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not even sure if I'm comfortable at 12. Like, he's a mid rounds, middle of the second round guy for me. Like, yeah, he, he's a lot of people are expecting a lot, but I don't know if he can repeat what he did. See, like, I don't know if he can not only repeat, but I just think like we've talked like I think in any sports league, people learn, mm-hmm. especially a year after your rookie year. Like, the people start to adapt, see what your weaknesses are. So if you don't improve on your weaknesses, they're gonna find it. Um, I also like Sneath going to get the ball a lot, mm-hmm. in my opinion. It was one of the hardest trades to make in our dynasty this offseason was the trades need away, just because I think he's going to get a lot of targets, and people aren't really talking about that a lot. I think that's a little underrated. And also Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn was a monster last year with Carolina, and people are constantly forgetting he even exists on the Saints team. That was a really underrated signing. It was really underrated. It's flown so much under the radar. Everyone's worried about AP and what's going to happen with that running back situation, but no one's talking that Ted's there. Ted could be that guy down the field for them that they haven't really had in a while. So yeah, that's Devery Henderson. It's been a while. Yeah, it's going to definitely open the field up for them, and I really think that all that kind of stuff, even Adrian Peterson being there, takes the value away from Michael Thomas. I mean, they could run the ball a lot this year. It's true. I mean, they have a three-headed monster, like, with Kamara being there, with Ingram and AP. Like, there's a lot of running backs. The ball may not always go to Thomas like it did last year. I don't know. Definitely going to be interesting for sure. But um, And then I think my last point for fantasy would be don't overthink the star wide receiver. I think people are always overthinking that these guys are there and that they're jumping on these running backs early, like Ben's point. Like yeah. The fact that I, I did a mock earlier this afternoon and there was somebody taking these running backs way ahead of Odell and Odell fell to me at the seventh spot. I was like, Odell at the seven is just remarkable. And I feel like that won me the league if it was real. Yeah, <laughs> to be that's, honest with that's you, that's not fair. Like that's just a crazy pick, and like obviously the draft board's got to fall for you the rest of the way too. But to start off with Odell at seven would be crazy. So just don't overthink it. Like if they're there, and like you're like, oh, like what happens if Ben plays hurt this year again? Brown could have a bad year, or all this kind of stuff. Like they're gonna put numbers up. None of them have proved otherwise. You know, Evans, Odell. AB, all of them have proven that they can put up numbers. No matter what their QB plays like, no matter what their running back plays like or how their defense is or whatever, like they all put up numbers. And they're going to continue to do that. It's a passing league. Don't jump on a running back. There's so much depth in this two to four rounds, two to five rounds even. So oh, yeah. don't jump out and think that you shouldn't get one of these guys. Yeah, if you don't have a top three pick, I almost would say just draft wide receiver in the first round. There's almost... The upside is just all there for the wide receivers, and there's so much bust potential with these running backs, so I would just watch out. Yeah, definitely keep your head on a swivel with these guys. Don't don't slug yourself out. A lot of people slug themselves out on draft day. They get a little ahead of themselves. They get a little freaked out. Don't slug yourself out. The numbers are there. Listen to them. Yeah. They're going to continue to get better, especially because most of these guys are young, and their quarterbacks, a lot of the quarterbacks are young, besides like Eli and Ben. They, their quarterbacks are going to get better. Jameis is going to get better. Yeah, there's a, there's a number of things that could get better. 
So yeah, yeah, you just can't miss on that first round pick. It's like rule number one. Yep. Like if in, you want to win, book. don't miss the first round pick. Yeah, definitely. So we're gonna end today's show just picking the home run derby winner oh, and yeah. the all star game winner and what implications that can leave uh, into the rest of this baseball season. So who you got? Uh, I'm gonna go with Stanton. Uh, he's stud. He's got all the power. I know everyone's hot on Judge, but I feel like having experience in the home run derby kind of matters. Oh, it I definitely matters. Stanton's already done it, so. Definitely matters. And I think it's mostly because it's all about the swing and keeping that swing kind of the same motion. I think it's really underrated. Not a lot of people talk about that part. Also, like, in the past couple of years, people have been putting shows on for their hometown. Stanton being the hometown guy this year, I think that plays well for him. He knows the park. I also think... A right-hander definitely wins. Just looking at how Marlon Spark plays out, I think a right-hander just makes sense. I, t- you know, for argue's sake, I don't want to say Stan, even though I think that's probably the, the solution. So I'll go Judge. He might be the most exciting person. It's all about his endurance, and if he can make sure that some of those 450 to 500 foot shots turn into 370 and just get over the fence. So yeah. I'll, for for argument's sake, I'll say Judge, even though my heart's with Stan. For sure. That's fair. I think Judge is my number two. I think they Yeah, so who do you got in the All-Star game? Now, luckily, like we talked about in the last episode, there's no implications for that World Series Game 7. Thank, yeah, thank I like God. that. But thank goodness. Who you got? I'll take the NL. I think Trout not being there is a big thing. So I don't – like, looking at the lineups, the AL's just got an interesting crew. Yeah. Or the NL's still got the studs. So. Yeah, still got the studs. That's for sure. I, I, I'm going to go AL. They've had a pretty good track record recently winning it when they kind of don't even deserve to win it. I think I'm going to go them. It's going to be close. They've always been kind of close recently. Oh, yeah. I'll probably say AL 5, NL 3. That's a low scoring one. A low scoring affair tomorrow night. I feel like the pitchers are better this year than the hitters. That's yeah, fair. definitely. I think it'll dominate a little bit. It's definitely a great pitching matchup to start the game with Sale and Scherzer. The thing is, if Scherzer could go all game, I'd say NL. But because Scherzer's not going to go all game, I'm going to say AL. Sure. So that's our podcast for today, guys. Hope you liked episode three. If you haven't listened to episode one and two, check us out on iTunes or on the Apple Podcast app. We're there for you to listen. We are there for feedback. We want you to tell us something. If you liked it, if you didn't like it, where we could improve, what we could talk about. Yeah. Uh, Go write a review for us, guys. Yeah. uh, Write a review on the iTunes podcast. You know, hit us up on Twitter at Excuse the Phantom. Hit us up on Instagram. Uh, I think we're going to make a Facebook page. Yeah, like us on Facebook. There's a Facebook page. Oh, there is one already. Look at that. Ben's on it. So, yep, make sure you guys do all those things for us. Give us some feedback. Write us something. Uh, Remember, this is a show for fans, by fans. So we want some feedback. So please give it to us. Thank you, guys. Peace.